Welcome to Bible study. This is Nick Rita, your host. I'm going to introduce to you this morning our panel, and I've got next to me here Helen. Hi, Helen. Hi, Nick. I've got Will. Hello, Nick. And Len. Hello, listeners. You'll be part of this Bible study with us for the next hour, and uh, please uh, don't hesitate to even uh, contact us on the numbers which we provide if you like uh, to hear more. I'll just pass it now for our uh, facilitator today, Len. Uh, Len, you have the microphone. Okay, well, this week we're studying the question or the title, The Impact of Tithing, which is a follow-up to what we were dealing with last week. And before we start looking in the Bible, I just want to ask the panel, can you think of possible impacts of tithing? It has swelled the treasury of uh, good work, uh, medical, missionary work throughout the world, Len. And uh, I think it has been a great blessing to thousands and millions of people over the years. Yeah. Anything else? I, um, from where I'm sitting, I believe it helps me to remember that God owns everything. And the impact for me is that it's not just allowing the process to... Um, literally pay the wages of those that are preaching rather than them having to go out and work at the same time I believe it helps us with selfishness Oh, that's a very good observation What about those who think, well, I haven't got enough money I can't afford to pay tithe That's one impact I did say, I think I said last week, um, Len, that I can't afford not to pay yeah. tithe And uh, I have heard it said by some Oh, the church only is interested in my money. Well, that's not so. As you've already pointed out, Helen, it gives us an opportunity to express our gratitude to God of what he has done for us. And then, of course, it's an antidote to greed. Now, last week, as we were studying this particular topic, we were studying it, well, not exactly this topic, but the topic of tithing, we were studying it from the viewpoint of tithing is really a responsibility or a response to God when we appreciate what God has done for us. This week, however, it has a different tack. It's talking about our responsibility to those who we know who are actively involved in preaching the gospel. So although it's on the same subject, it's coming in at a different angle. And on that particular point, there's this text in 1 Corinthians 9.13, which is talking about what I just mentioned, the responsibility we have to support those who are actively involved in teaching the gospel. It says, that's 1 Corinthians 9.13 and 14, Do you not know? that those who minister the holy things eat of the things of the temple, and those who serve at the altar partake of the offerings of the altar. Even so, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. All right. Now, about preaching the gospel, Helen, have you got Mark... 16:15, or could you turn up in your Bible, Mark 16:15, and Will, 
I'm sure you'll know this text quite well, but that's Matthew 28, 19 and 20. So that was Mark 16, 15 and Matthew 28, 19 and 20. And these are the words of Jesus. So, Helen, have you got Mark 16, 15? Yes, I have, and I'm reading from the New King James Version. It says, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Okay, so this is the words of Jesus. And, Will, how are you going with that device of yours? Okay, Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So these are two references. Words of Jesus saying, You have a commission. The commission is to go and teach about me to the world. Of course, those who take up that commission have to, have to be fed. They, they have to have support. And so that's really what we're studying about this week, that tithe or tithing is for funding the outreach of the kingdom of God. I think, Len, that most people that love the Lord Jesus with all their hearts would dearly wish to serve, especially in foreign fields, to carry the message to others uh, and tell them about our Lord. However, we don't always have that opportunity. And I think that uh, we can act vicariously through somebody else. God wants us all to be involved in this most important work, uh, bringing people to Jesus and Funding is important, and that is why I think that we can feel part of the great work of God, even from our homes, because of our financial and uh, spiritual support of those that are on the front lines. Yes, we uh, come across some text later written by the Apostle Paul about the support of, shall we say, the ministry. I don't know if I really like to use that word, but... Those who take the gospel to the world must be supported. Now, in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10 is a verse which says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And then God says, Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. Now, what do you think this expression, bring the whole tithe, means? Yes, Helen. I did a little bit of background on that in, in the study. And it appeared at the time when Malachi wrote this, the, um, the children of Israel were neglecting their duties. They were not bringing the whole tithe. They weren't bringing a full tithe. And the tithe was originally set up so that the Levites would be able to 
do the work in the temple and worship and um, not have to go out of there and take on other work. I believe that at this time the Levites did have to go to work to earn um, money for their food and what have you and therefore the work was neglected. The, the work that God had set up for the Levites, the priests, the okay. ministers. And so the work was being um, neglected. So here Malachi is saying, bring all of it, bring the whole tithe, don't hold anything back, so that these Levites didn't have to go out and, and neglect what they had been ordained for. Yeah. I think what is done ultimately all over the world is in direct proportion to the resources that, uh, that actually support that work. And um, for God's call to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse is a promise then of a greater, more expanded work. And that's what we wish as Christians. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Now, what's this mean, the storehouse, into the storehouse? I mean, if people want to know how to pay tithe, where does the money go? What's this storehouse business? Got any ideas? There's several texts in Scripture. Uh, 1 Chronicles 26:20, 20, 2 Chronicles 31:11 to 13, and in Nehemiah 10:38, where the storehouse is actually called the house of God or the house of our God. In the time of the, the children of Israel, it would have been the sanctuary. Okay. All right. Back in the time of the Israelites and when they had the temple and so on, it would have been brought to the temple. But what about in this day and age? We don't actually have a temple. Where does the tithe money go? Say, you pay tithe, where does the money go? I think in ancient times the Lord directed that there should be a repository, a place from which all of the funds for mission uh, needs to be um, funded and um, directed. Uh, today, of course, we don't have a temple, as you've said, Len, but there should be a repository or a storehouse of some kind uh, that uh, would direct the money proportionately to the needs of the world. Well, and also in that text I read, it said that there may be food in my house. What do you think that one means? Well, I'll answer the question myself then. My stepfather had been a missionary in Africa. He was an ordained minister. And he was saying that because of the lack of funds in that country, where people didn't have much money and probably lots of them did not pay their tithe, many of the ministers had old cars. And quite often those old cars would break down and so as a result, instead of those ministers being out there preaching the gospel and teaching people about the Lord, our Saviour, Jesus Christ, they were fixing up these old bombs of cars that they had. There was not enough in, if you like to use the metaphorical expression, there was not enough food in the Lord's house to sustain these ministers. Well, I can imagine that uh, spending most of your day trying to uh, maintain a vehicle and uh, stealing from the precious time that you could be spending 
doing the work of God would uh, not be good. I think, Lynn, of, um, of some um, needs years ago when I um, did a short ministry in the Solomon Islands, missionaries there were walking from place to place, sometimes uh, taking a day or so to reach their destination to share the gospel. And um, the tithing system ultimately helped that these missionaries get uh, bicycles to get from, their, from one place to the other because the roads there weren't such at that time to uh, allow cars to ride, but bicycles would actually help them get there faster. And uh, it's very satisfying to know that you're speeding up the work of the Lord by supporting the, the food in the house, as mm. it were. Mm. Yes, Nick. I was just uh, going to bring a little bit of a different spin on this because money is a very sensitive uh, issue in all aspects of life and particularly when you talk about God's business or church. Uh, there are many people misusing this uh, money. But what I'm trying to say is here that is not man-made rule or law, but is what God asked us to do. Because he knew best what we need to do to accomplish his work. And in, this, in, in that regard, I would like to just expand a little bit more. When you bring... Uh, your money to the house of the Lord. You don't bring the money to your own plans and projects or mm. ambitions. Yeah. That's why we see these days so many mega churches. We see, we see so many great big buildings done through some money which people were not happy because money probably was misused. But as you point out here, there is greater work all around the world which needs to be supported. And sometimes, for us, for example, living in this country, like in a Western society, with more money available to us, this money will be also uh, directed to those people in need all over the world. Yes, that's exactly right. And that's the beauty of this system, that, say, if there's a, a large congregation of tithe payers and there's more money... In, available than what would um, be needed to support, say, a minister, that money then is directed to other places where, shall we say, they can't support. I just want to tell you a little story. It's a, it's a true story. Well, it's not so much a story, but we have some friends who live overseas who belong to a fairly popular Protestant denomination. And these friends at least the man is um, an elder in the church and he has a special job which has been assigned to him to go around to all the church members and get donations to support the minister now of course there'll be some rich people who'll give a lot and there'll be some rich people who hardly give anything and there'll be poorer people who'll give a little bit it seems to me who's used to the tithing system, it's such a messy business to have to go around and solicit funds from, from the people on their goodwill. Whereas a church that practices the tithing system, and the Seventh-day Adventist church is not the only one, they, uh, how can we say, it's all smoothed out and made so much easy, easier 
and it's a responsibility of the people to support the ministry. Can, can I just add something here, Lynn? It's a little bit off the side, a little bit. When I was up in, um, fortunate to be in Papua New Guinea, the, um, the first time I was out in a village and I saw them bring around a, um, a basin and it was a, a like a fairly big basin mm. for the offerings and uh, they asked for the tithes and I can and these people were, were really poor people and I was just thinking to myself goodness they must give an awful lot of money you know these are huge basins but what these people did they didn't have money they actually filled the basins up with food Right. And then they had what they called a tithe, a uh, little tithe storehouse. They would take the, the basins to this tithe storehouse and then other people would actually buy that food and then the money would go into the work. Oh, that's and I thought that was just amazing. And when I read this text and it says, bring that there may be food in my house, yeah. I thought, well, that was really a very practical example. Yeah. You know, it did, it did enhance the work um, of the, the ministers. Yeah. But as I said, these people were so poor. Mm. But the basins was what really got me. I thought, man, if we actually gave these basins out in our home church, I wonder what people would think. <laughs> I mean, in our uh, days, you know, uh, if we have money, you can buy anything. That's why we're thinking of the money more like than all other things yes. which we earn. For example, in, in the Bible days, they maybe didn't bring necessarily money to the temple or to the house of the Lord, but they bring their first offerings and goods and a tenth from everything what they earn, from the land, from the whatever uh, they had. Okay, now I read to you before from Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10, but I don't know if you caught this, but God says, you need to put me to the test. Put me to the test, and I'm going to read that second part again. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. Now, what sort of blessings? What sort of blessings can we expect if we do what God requires us to do is to pay the tenth of our income as a tithe? I think if we looked after we've uh, paid our tithes, if we looked for uh, financial blessing and financial growth, uh, we would kind of be missing the point. Um, I think that uh, the Malachi's message is, is that it would be a spiritual as well as general temporal blessings that will rest upon us. And uh, whether or not a tithe payer becomes uh, very, very wealthy or not is beside the question. It's a question of how you measure the other blessings from day to day. And most, uh, most uh, tithe payers will tell you that uh, their experience has been that the blessings of God have been upon them. Now, well, you were saying that there will be a spiritual as well as a temporal blessing. Can you just narrow that down, or not narrow it down, but expand is probably the right thing. What sort of things will be those spiritual blessings? I think uh, the meaning of God's blessing in this case is uh, evidenced by salvation, the happiness, a peace of mind, uh, God always doing what is best for us. Uh, these things add up to a healthy Christian existence. 
When we consider the um, Israelite nation, when the people obeyed the Lord and followed his commands, they were blessed. When they disobeyed, they were not. They had all sorts of things. They had different nations raid their country and all kinds of things. And when they followed the Lord, they were blessed. And that applies to us in these days. If we follow the Lord and we follow his instructions, it will be well for us. No, we mightn't be the richest people in town, but we will be rich in other ways. Will, would you like to read for us, please, First Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another, love as brothers, be tender-hearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Okay, from what I get from this, or at least part of what I get from this is, when we receive a blessing, we don't just keep it all to ourselves. We then become a blessing. The blessing that the Lord promises as uh, recorded in uh, Malachi 3 verse 10 is a blessing we just don't retain for ourselves it spills over to other people I want to share with you some very interesting information I went on the computer and looked up the 2015 statistical report as most of you know the Seventh-day Adventist Church encourages tithe pain how has that blessing reached over to other people, not just necessarily the givers? Now, this is going to take a minute or so, but I think you'll find very interesting. The current membership of the Seventh-day Adventist Church is about 20 million. It's very hard to determine because there are people who say they're Seventh-day Adventists, but they don't go to church or anything like that. The, the number of baptisms per year around the world is one and a quarter million, which amounts to 3,600 a day. There are 5, 000, more than 5,300 primary schools and 2,300 secondary schools. There are 115 universities and colleges there are 175 major hospitals and sanitariums. There are 170 nursing homes, retirement villages, orphanages and children's homes. There are 22 food factories. There are nearly 300,000 paid employees. Each year uh, there are there, there's need for 2,000, well nearly 3,000 new churches and there are just under a thousand new companies. And I should add, the tithe that the church receives amounts to around about four billion dollars. 
Now I was just saying before that when we receive a blessing we pass it on, it spills over to others and it would be a very brave person who would say ah but the church just serves itself, that is not so the church is in, involved in reaching out to the sick, the spiritually sick and those who don't know their way with the Lord. So as far as I can see the tithe paying as it occurs in the Seventh-day Adventist Church has been a major blessing to other people. Now down in Acts chapter 20 and 35, verse 35 it says it is more blessed can anybody finish it? More blessed to give it's more than to receive. to give than to receive. How does that work? Well, I, I read a statement that said, God designed that believers should become channels of blessings rather than stagnant reservoirs. You know, when we give, it does something for us as the givers uh, in that we are we're blessed in many ways. I, I, I believe that it, in giving, and a cheerful giver God loves, he says he loves a cheerful giver, in, in giving, it takes you out of yourself whether it be tithe or time or resources or whatever, it takes you out of yourself. What you hoard, you can't take with you. What you give seems to come back in a double blessing yeah. in your life. Yeah. Mm. Did you I want to say something there, Will? I think that the, if the storehouse itself swelled its coffers without sharing to the world, it would be very bad, like the rich man in the parable that says, I will build bigger barns and so on. It's never been the intention of the church to be uh, gather all the money and swell its own coffers. I, I think of a, a uh, beautiful illustration in Ezekiel, uh, f chapter 47, where I, if I may summarize, it, it's that it says that uh, Ezekiel was taken to the door of the temple and he found that there was a trickle of water coming out of the temple. And uh, then they went east and he was guided by an angel whom he calls a man. And they noticed that the water, uh, after a thousand cubits, uh, became uh, ankle deep. And then uh, another thousand cubits he noticed that the water was up to his knees. And then a little bit further on, he says, the water was as deep as my waist. And then, of course, another thousand cubits on. The river was so large that it could not be crossed. The water was too deep, he says. Water in which one must swim. A river that could not be crossed. And uh, he said to me, son of man, have you seen this? And uh, while he pondered what this might mean, he said also along the bank of the river were very many trees, one side of the other. And it shall be, he says in verse 9, it shall be that every living thing that moves, wherever the river goes, will live. There will be a very great multitude of fish because these waters go there, for they will be healed and everything will live wherever the water goes. And along the bank of the river, on this side and that, he says, all kinds of trees used for food, their leaves will not wither and their fruit will not fail. Um, telling me that God has a way of taking a little and multiplying it to the blessing, a wide, wide blessing for everyone else. 
And I think that that is the directive to the church, not to um, be a repository of goods and uh, services, but rather to share all the time, to be a channel upon which the Lord can depend to do good to multitudes of people. And I'd like to refer to the Church of God in in an aspect, I mean, like all children of God who decided to follow Him, that um, this principle, it's very important for uh, us to keep on track, not to be sidetracked and do other things with our own uh, money. One thing which I would like to uh, mention is that um, sometimes the point can be argued by people saying, but uh, look at your uh, uh, way of spending those money. And I'll pick up an example in the Bible. God says that my house is in neglect, but your houses are looked after. And that's a very important thing because we brought up here a few things about blessings. Or Helen, you just said that it's um, it's better to give, give than to receive. Okay. The whole aspect of this um, Bible study is that we need to understand that we are here to be a blessing for many other people out there. Mm. That was Jesus Christ himself. That was his mission on this earth. And he called us to follow him. Oh. I'd just, just like to come back to this um uh, thing that Will was talking about, about the river and so on. While he was speaking, I was thinking of the River Jordan. Now, the River Jordan flows through some fertile country, and on each side there are there are verdant trees and whatnot, and it's, people use the water for irrigation. But when the River Jordan reaches the end... Do you know what the end is? What is it? The Dead Sea. It's the Dead Sea. What grows around the Dead Sea? Nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Which is, if you like, an example of the uh, not storing the, the resources of the church up for yourself or for the church alone, but that it be shared and then good is done. I think that's time for a short break right now. Please stay with us. This is Bible study and we'll be back in a sec.
Welcome back to Bible study. We are dealing with stewardship, motives of the heart. And particularly today we are looking at about tithe. If you're interested in uh, these things more, please don't hesitate to contact us on the numbers which we provided. Or you can be part of one of these studies every Saturday morning if you check the Seventh-day Adventist Church in your area. Usually starts from 9.30 up to 11.30. Len, I'm passing back to you the microphone. Okay, well, um, Will, would you mind reading us uh, from 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 18? And we are actually discussing now something that was mentioned a bit earlier about what the purpose of the tithe is. So what does it say there, Will? For the scripture says... You shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain, and the labourer is worthy of his wages. And would you like to follow that up by reading 1 Corinthians 9, chapter 14, Helen? It says here, Even so the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. Uh, can I just add on to that, not on to God's word, of course, but when I thought about that, um, I thought about soldiers. Soldiers denote their life to the military, and they do that on behalf of the people and the land, and it's their duty to guard the interests of those that employ him as a soldier, even perhaps to giving his life. But the soldiers... I think rightfully expect that those that enlist him would provide for his needs. That means that then they would be free to do the work that they've been asked to do as soldiers. And I believe it's the same for ministers. Ministers give their time, they give their resources, their labour, their talents to an established church, God's vineyard, and it is right that they should receive support so that they can be wholeheartedly their hearts and, and their time, everything, can be for the dedication of God's work. Not fixing up old bombs or cars, eh? <laughs> No. <laughs> That's a really good analogy that you brought in there, Helen, about the soldiers. You know, this whole system has been instituted by God. And this makes me think about what God is like. Is God disorganised and haphazard? What would you say? Absolutely not. God works in systems, actually. His tithing system was a blessing, a blessing to the Jews, and of course our Heavenly Father doesn't originate the plan of systematic benevolence or the tithe-paying system to enrich himself. I mean, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, but it's basically to um, give us the blessing, uh, the blessing of imparting to the Lord again. Yeah. He actually allows us to be um, co-workers with him, doesn't he? That's right. Yes, we must realise that God never dropped out of a tree yesterday. God is God and he planned our bodies. He planned every living thing to the nth detail. And as far as our lives are concerned and our respect of God and our gratitude of God, God has applied this system, and that's why we're talking about it today. Now, do you have any other comment on that? Because I want to just move on to some verses in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 
Here the Apostle Paul is writing to the Corinthians. And in verse 7 he says, Was it a sin for me to lower myself in order to elevate you by preaching the gospel of God to you, free of charge? And then he says, I robbed, and that he didn't actually mean he committed robbery, but I took from other churches by receiving support from them, so to serve you. And when I was with you and needed something, it, I was not a burden to anyone. But the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied what I needed. I've kept myself from being a burden to you in any way and will continue to do so. Now, Paul here is actually giving these um, believers in Corinth, in Greece, a bit of a serve. He says, look, I've come here, I've preached the gospel to you free of charge, and you've done nothing, but I've been supported, like is in the general tithing system. I've been supported by others. You haven't put anything in. What interested me very much, he says, was it a sin for me to lower myself? in order to elevate you by preaching the gospel of God to you free of charge. How on earth would Paul have lowered himself? I think, Len, in answer to what you were saying before, him humbling himself, I think we need to remember that the Macedonian church was a poor church. Mm. And here he was, Paul was coming to a rich Corinthian church. And and from his text, when he says, you know, humbling myself, taking from those poor people yeah. to spread the gospel to you who are rich, who should be supporting the gospel ministry. So I think it was a double whammy there. And it probably is even a long-term thing that Paul was talking about. We don't really know because he never explained it any further. But remember Paul, while he was still a Pharisee, would have been very, very wealthy. And here he gave his life to the preaching of the gospel of the Lord. In many cases he was uh, being supported by various people. But when the churches were established, it was fairly obvious that a tithing principle was put in place. And the Corinthian church, I don't know if at this time, I think it probably was not such a new church, they weren't pulling their weight. And it was others that were supplying the needs of this itinerant preacher, if you like, so that he could stay alive. How but, hard is it, sorry, then? how hard is it to you accept a gift from somebody who you know can afford it, but it's harder to accept a gift from people that you know that they're struggling as well? Yes, mm. yeah. But that's very often the case that the poor people often give more than the rich yes. people. <laughs> I mean, yeah. have the, we have the story in the Bible, the widow and the two mites, you know, which uh, Jesus said that she gave more than everybody else, even those rich people, whoever they were, Pharisees or... But the concept is here is totally different because when Jesus says, truly I say to you, and this is uh, in Luke 21, truly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all for all this out of their abundance have put in offering uh, for God but she out of her poverty put in all the life food that she had 
I think that the widow had given far more, well, ultimately to the Lord's work uh, than she even thought. I read a statement which um, which puts a beautiful spin on this. She's, it says, um, the poor widow who cast her two mites into the Lord's treasury little knew what she was doing in the sense that her example of self-sacrifice has acted and reacted upon thousands of hearts in every land and in every age. It is brought to the treasury of God gifts from the high and the low, the rich and the poor. It has helped to sustain missions, to establish hospitals, to feed the hungry, clothe the naked, heal the sick, and preach the gospel to the poor. Multitudes have been blessed through her unselfish example. And I think that um, one day when uh, the day of reward comes and God uh, and she is resurrected and sees life eternal, I think she herself will be surprised to discover that billions and billions of dollars have gone into the Lord's treasury as a result of her example. And so God regards the little gift just as largely, just as dearly as the large gift from the, um, from the rich. Earlier we were discussing the verse from Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 where it talks about bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Now I want to ask you a question you probably haven't thought about much. I have heard of people who instead of um, sending their tithe to the storehouse, if you like, the central um, place, may it be the church conference or whatever, uh, who choose to send their tithes to perhaps um, nursing homes or maybe children overseas or something. What do you think about that? Is it a good or is it bad thing? And if so, why? I think there's such a thing as a storehouse principle and it was God that set up the principle, not man. And I believe that all is holy to the Lord. And if God has said, this is where it goes, we don't have that right to vow it to somewhere else. It is the Lord's to be used in the manner that he desired and the manner that he set up. Yeah. You got any comments there, Will? Yes, I think Helen has actually um, hit the nail on the head there. God has, um, direct, God has requested that we direct the tithes to uh, those that uh, preach the gospel, the um, great outreach ministry. I think for us to say, well, look, um, we would like to send it elsewhere is uh, a, a little presumptuous. I think we need to follow what the Lord says. But, of course, there is need serving the poor and uh, great welfare work all over the world. Yes, well, we're only talking about tithe here, but, of course, we have the other issue of offerings. Just on uh, this a little bit more about the, um, uh, where we direct uh, that money which God asks us to give it to him, uh, you know, Jesus, when uh, because we dealt with the, the widow and what she was given, and that was in the context when the people of God, they were so proud of themselves, building up a temple there, which was nothing wrong with that. God asked them to, to build it beautifully, actually. But it says, again, I'm uh, going back to Luke uh, 21, and in verse uh, 5 says this, Then as some spoke, 
of the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones, he said, and this was Jesus who said this, these things which you see, the day will come in which not one of the stones shall be left upon another, that shall not be thrown down. What I'm trying to say this is that again Jesus is trying to get their attention to what he wants them to do. Not to be, as I said a bit earlier, to be an empire, to be a mega church, to be a, something which they can be proud of, what they can do with their own uh, hands and with even with the money which they brought to the temple. But what is the end result of our faithfulness to God? Okay, when people pay their tithe, how should they feel about it? I think tithe is given not uh, grudgingly. If it's given as a result of our, our real appreciation uh, for what God has given to us, it doesn't become a chore. It doesn't become an obligation in the sense that it's hurtful. Uh, we are willing to give to God what we feel in the beginning was his in the first place. And when you give your heart to the Lord, then your money is not a question of uh, to whom you direct them. That's right. So you don't necessarily think you're uh, building up brownie points with God? No head shakes. Oh, don't sorry, do. I'm doing it again. Absolutely not, Lynn. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. No, it doesn't earn us build up any points. merit with God. And Helen, would you read Romans 4, verses 1 to 5? I'd be very happy to read that. And that um, will answer this question for us. Okay, again from the New King James. It says, What then shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. And I think that really sums up what you were saying before. Yeah, um, Abraham did not attain righteousness because of works or his merits. It was wholly and solely because of his faith in God and following God. So if it was uh, not sufficient for Abraham to build up brownie points, the case with us is no better. No. Just because a person gives offerings, gives tithes, does this or that, they do it in response, not in order to earn God's approval. I heard somebody once say that, uh, it was a little shocking to me when I first heard it, but it's really true that Mother Teresa, with all of her good work and sacrifice, earned no more credit with God than the person that didn't do as much. After all, it's not the amount of work that we do that earns credit with God. It's the attitude of heart yeah. and our submission to him. You know, in the context of tithe, if the tithe is uh, God's to begin with, what merit could there be possibly in giving it back to him? 
And instead of being a burden for some people, you know, to give something back to God, it should be the other way around, saying, uh, how can I have more opportunities, you know, to to be engaged with God's work and give back to God. And probably that refers back to what you, will, you were saying about Mother Teresa. In our time, we need to think that this time is short for the, the, the time we live in. And we really need to think what we can do, the best we can do to reach out to the dying world, to bring them back to God. And through the, um, to our finances uh, and through our uh, faithfulness in tithing, uh, I think this is another way of, uh, of being faithful to God and reaching out to people. I think true love is really spontaneous. We don't, uh, we don't uh, give grudgingly to a really needing child our own children. We give out of love and we want to give more. Uh, love is, is absolutely spontaneous. And should our response to God be anything less than it is to our, the children whom we love? I'd just like to um, tell a little story, something on what you were saying there, Will. When I was about um, probably seven or eight, maybe a little bit more, we had a visit from our grandparents who came from Victoria. We lived here in South Australia. And my younger brother was given a pound note by grandfather. And my cousin, who was about the same age as my brother, received a pound note. And then grandfather thought, well, I might be being a bit generous. And he gave me a 10 shilling note, which is half a pound. And I was obviously a bit disappointed because I was the older one and um, and he must have thought of seeing the uh, look in my eyes and so he took it back again and gave me a pound note. And this was to spend at the Royal Adelaide show and we didn't spend it very wisely, we were just kids and so on. But I was just thinking what would happen if I gave that pound note back to my grandfather should he say, thank you very much, you're so generous? And no, not at all. He gave it at the beginning, and I, was, I would just give it back. So I couldn't expect him to gush over me in as much as I'd given him a pound note, which was his first in the first thing. Well, we've nearly reached the end. I wonder, perhaps, members of the panel... You might have something else you would like to add that um, will help conclude this lesson. Helen. Yes, I'd like to read um, a little paragraph that I um, came across this week. It says, Time is rapidly passing into eternity. Let us not keep back from God that which is his own. Let us not refuse him that which, though it cannot be given without merit, cannot be denied without ruin. He asks for a whole heart, give it to him. It is his, both by creation and by redemption. He asks for your intellect, give it to him, it is his. He asks for your money, give it to him, it is his. And just in closing, I'd like to agree with Will when he said about love, because giving to God should be done out of love for him, because you want to worship your creator and celebrate the gift of eternal life that he has already given us through Jesus. I think if you just stop and think for a moment, the tremendous blessings that we enjoy life, health, all the five senses mainly, um, most folk, 
Um, and it's so easy to forget that every breath and every heartbeat, every moment of our existence comes as a very wonderful gift from our Father. Should our response to God not be one of willing love and uh, to give back to him and his cause as he may direct? Any final comments, Nick? Just um, thinking of another story myself. I Some years ago, I was um, uh, able to have a good conversation with one of the ambassadors uh, in uh, Japan. And he shared with me something amazing. He shared with me how he pays tithe from his income. And he was not a believer. He didn't believe in God. But he understood that if he gives, he receives. If that comes from a secular mind, if that comes from somebody who could see the benefits of giving, then how much more for a Christian, from a child of God? God didn't spare anything. He didn't spare his own son to give it for us. And he's waiting for us in response to be faithful to him. To give a part back to him, not because he needed it, as somebody just mentioned here, because he owns everything, but because he loves us and he loved others the same and as much as loved us, those people who don't know him. And he wants us to be those involved in reaching out to the people in need. Actually, we don't give back to God the 10%. We actually administrating the 10% if you like because God doesn't need it you know and it's very important how wise we can be to administrate to be a good steward in this regard well to summarize today's study we've given consideration to the fact that although we recognize that God is the giver of all good gifts and that we are we just giving back to him. There is a responsibility placed on Christian people, firstly, to share the gospel, to support those who share the gospel if we're not able to do it ourselves, and to bring our tithes into the central storehouse that it might be administered properly and not haphazardly. Thank you for joining us in this study today. And might I say, on behalf of the panel, God bless you all richly. And thank you very much to our listeners to being with us again today. And uh, I wish you God's blessings. And please don't forget, until next time, be a good steward and walk in the footsteps of Jesus. May God bless you. <laughs> 